right. Good morning. Hello, hello, hello. Especially hello to those of you that I, I don't know. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Steve. Uh, I have the privilege of leading the church here and of speaking this morning uh, on what is our church birthday. Um, today, uh, very unusually, really, uh, I'm not going to be teaching from the Bible. It's not because we've given up on believing in it. Uh, but it really matters that we understand where we've come from and where we're going. And so what I'm going to do instead is to tell on the story of our church. So um, there we are. I hope you're sitting comfortably. I bet you are, because these are the comfiest church chairs in Oxford. So uh, if you're not sitting comfortably here, I don't know how you'd cope anywhere else. Um, so yeah, it's our church birthday this morning. There we go. That's what we're going to be looking at. And uh, yeah, our story... The story of Oxford Community Church, our direct story of where we came from and how it all works, doesn't begin just 32 years ago, but actually over 300 years ago. And in this place, uh, at least since the time of the Civil War, so that's what, 1640s, there was a group of Baptists at a place called Longworth, elsewhere in Oxfordshire, and they met there because, as Baptists, they'd been banned by the government from meeting in either Oxford or Whitney. Indeed, if they went to those places, they were typically chased out with stones by riotous mobs. But in 1703, they acquired a site just across the Thames from Longworth at a place called Cote in West Oxfordshire. And there, they built a chapel. Actually, this is a slightly updated version of a chapel on the site where they built. But this is the place. And this church, Cote Baptist Church, was a church with sound doctrine and strong teaching. And uh, more recently, in 1974, uh, they received a new young minister, um, a young minister who came from having studied in Oxford, a young minister who read a chapter of the Bible in Greek and one in Hebrew every day our very own Steve Thomas, who was preaching here the last couple of Sundays. So this church was very much a church of the word and conservative in its ways. That's one church. But a few years before Steve Thomas had moved to Cote Baptist Church, there was another place. Uh, in the town of Whitney, a group of young radicals had been kicked out of the Methodist church in Whitney. Uh, the specific reason that they were kicked out of Whitney Methodist Church was that they'd asked for adult baptism. Uh, but actually, their, their radicalism went much beyond that. Uh, they were charismatics. Yeah, I know. Uh, they spoke in tongues and all kinds of other things that didn't take place in Whitney at that time, and perhaps never before in history. I don't know. And having been thrown out, a number of them together bought a large house. There it is, Merrifield House. And uh, they didn't have color cameras then, clearly, but they did dress in a great way. Um, they together bought this large house, it's now a nursing home in Whitney, and lived there together in the community, discovering new things that were there in the New Testament, 
but they hadn't yet experienced in their lives. They lived together in community. They had tambourines. And they danced. And more importantly, they set out to be a church of the Holy Spirit's movement and power. Uh, Now, what happened after that was quite incredible. Because the Baptists at Cote didn't know the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But some of them began to sneak into the meetings of this church at Merrifield House and came back saying how much better it was than their church. Now, who knows that that is a recipe for strife right there. Uh, But what actually happened was that instead, God provided a different recipe. Or rather, he provided a whole menu, uh, a menu at a Chinese restaurant, Because the leaders of these two churches decided to talk to one another and did so in a Chinese restaurant over a series of meals, got to know one another, and they heard God leading them together to join together and to become churches of the word and the spirit. No small thing. No small thing at all. We may take it for granted now that those things hold together. But they hold together because of moments in church history where soft hearts gave way to God's will and were joined. It's part of our history. It's why we are a church of the word and the spirit. Those two Chinese restaurants, amongst other things, but primarily to the Lord. Now, out of their togetherness in word... And spirit, a great deal has come. A great deal has come. Foremost amongst those many things has been more churches. In 1980, a man called Bryn Franklin brought a prophetic word to these two churches. It's a great word. It was a vision of these two churches being like rice pudding. You wonder where that might go. But Bryn, like many of us, loves rice pudding. That's a good thing. And the word that came was that God wanted to stick a spoon in and to dollop that rice pudding out in a whole number of different places across the county. Yeah, I know. I love the fact that I can see two brothers in my line of sight and they've got exactly the same... Uh, humor thing. It's great. It's like a genetic humor. Brilliant, guys. It's great having you with us. It really is. And um, that's what then began to happen. Churches began to be planted across the county as people with confidence that God had given them a good thing saw the benefit of taking it to other places where that didn't yet exist. Uh, Not only did church planting come out of these two churches, but the fact of church planting had a widespread influence. Uh, I picked up some years ago that New Frontiers, another group of churches in the UK, first picked up the idea of church planting because they visited Oxfordshire. And they saw a leaflet, a group of their leaders from across the country saw a leaflet produced by Oxfordshire community churches about church planting and thought, ooh, what's that? God 
has then led them to plant many more churches than we have as a widespread influence because God spoke and because God had given us a good thing worth spreading. Now, one of those dollops was us. Yay. One of those dollops was the church that we're celebrating today. In 1985, 32 years ago, Oxford Community Church, that's what Bond Square looked like in 1985. It's being improved all the time. Uh, We began 32 years ago in February 1985. We didn't meet in Selfridges. I don't know if you can see that says Selfridges at the top there. Uh, But in various different locations. Soon after the church began, God's heart for this church crystallized into what became known as the Big Vision. And I'm I'm just wondering if anyone can... I've got it. Something before I get to the words of that. This was our logo at the time. Yeah. Now, I don't know if anyone can confirm for me that amongst the young people of the churches, this logo was affectionately known as the pooing dove. Is that right? Yeah. You design logos at your peril. Oh, do you? <laughs> Um, But accompanying this uh, logo on all kinds of things that were printed was a statement of vision. It was called the Big Vision. And I wonder if anyone can remember what it was like when it was first stated. The B stood for building family. Yeah. I stood for infecting students. Yeah. And G for going going to nations. That's right. You might want the building family bit sounds quite obvious. Infecting students. Uh, Maybe less obvious. Um, We have, for all the the history of the church, really provided lunches to students on a regular basis. I don't know of any food poisoning incidents. I don't think that was ever a vision. Um, It was a vision for the seed of the kingdom. In... uh, Several of Jesus' parables about the kingdom, he speaks about a seed that has life that takes root. Speaks of the yeast that gets sort of worked right in until it takes up the whole thing. And it's just expressing a vision that students, whilst here in the city, would get something in them that came from God in heaven that spoilt them for life. That they could never get rid of a lifelong infection that meant that having been here, life couldn't ever be the same. And actually, the thing about infection is it spreads. If you are infected, then you are infectious. That's the kind of life that we had vision for all of us, but especially for it to get into students in their time here, knowing that many will go on to be in other places. And we love the idea of the kingdom of God spreading through the seed of his word. Going to nations. That dream of nations is now embedded in the life of our church. It's part of who we are. In the early days, much of it was links to East Africa and to India, and those links remain. We have wider family. The Salt and Light family of churches is strong in those places. Then later, in the 1990s, we began to own responsibility for not just flying over secular Europe to other places in the world, but for taking this same seed of the kingdom of God 
to secular Europe, and especially to French-speaking nations. Steve Thomas was supported to go from here and, with others, developed a group of churches in French-speaking Europe, now called Destinée. Some of you in years out have gone and been part of some of those churches. Others have visited in different ways. There's now 17 churches in different locations in French-speaking Europe that came out of our response to God as he called us to go to the nations. A couple of those are led by people who were members of the church here, John and Non Bilson in Paris, Phil and Ruth Watterson in Marseille, and others scattered here and there in different places. It's a vision for Europe that continues. Um, some of you have started to pick up on the grapevine. Is this all right to say? Yeah, some of you have just been picking up on the grapevine this week that God is speaking again about the nations of Europe, and in particular to Graham and Helen, who are uh, about to put their house on the market and uh, step out in faith to join in with what God's doing in northern Italy. Sometime this calendar year we're praying and hoping because God cares for the nations, not just our nation and certainly not just our city. It's exciting that God speaks in these ways. Of course, in recent years, our focus has been increasingly on sending teams of people to unreached nations, to those tribes and peoples that have never heard the gospel. And one of our privileges as a church at the moment is that we have two teams that we've sent out, leaders of teams uh, near the Sahara Desert, working amongst people where there has never been a church. They're catching malaria and all kinds of challenges, but with the seed of a kingdom, the word of God, taken hold of here and taken to the nations. This is good stuff. I wonder what those Baptists at the end of the 17th century meeting in Longworth, banned from the cities and towns, prayed for. We'll never know. But uh, they had a Bible that they read that spoke of every tribe and nation and language and people. I dare to believe that what we're seeing now is the fruit of not just our own prayers, but the prayers of our forebears as well as they caught hold of God's heart. And now, now, we're seeing so much. The 1990s also saw a sophisticated new logo, uh, which doesn't work very well on projectors or websites. Uh, And also, we had a slightly updated version of that big vision that reflected a growing concern for evangelism. We were still about building families, still about infecting students, Um, But we spoke instead about going to people wherever they are, recognizing that it wouldn't do to go to the nations and neglect our neighbors. Uh, Then after some more years, in 2005, uh, I took over leadership of this church from Steve Thomas. um, And through the process of grappling with Assuming that responsibility, we ended up with a new vision statement, again, trying to express... Oh, and another logo as well. That was another logo. Oxford Community Church, following Jesus. And this is the statement that we came up with. Following Jesus in a big way, building family across the city, igniting passion for God, and going with good news to students, local communities, and beyond. Now, There we are. We're actually going to skip past that quickly because that is easily the wordiest statement of vision for which I've ever been responsible. (laughs) 
I don't recall anyone ever really remembering it. Uh, but it's really a statement of the core dynamics of the Christian life. If I click that there, you can see following Jesus is about discipleship. Building family is about community. Passion for God is our worship. And we go out on mission. Those are the four, dynamic, four key dynamics of the Christian life. You would do really well to come up with a shorter list without really missing out something significant about what it is to be a Christian and what it is to be God's people together. And so over the last 40, sorry, 30, huh, 30 plus years, those four dynamics, discipleship, community, worship, and mission, are what we have continued to explore together and to discover the richness of all that they mean. And we just have so much to thank God for in every one of those areas. Let's take them one at a time. Discipleship. Discipleship has taken some different forms for us over the years. I should say that this word discipleship means simply to follow, hence it linking with following Jesus. But Jesus himself set an example of how discipleship should work not just the idea of it, but he gathered to him people in relationship with whom he spent time, whom he inspired and sometimes corrected and saw them develop into the people that God had made them to be. So in that kind of context, we've often thought about the word apprenticeship. There's a growing together that goes on in relationship as we learn from those who've gone on more years and further in the faith than we have. But um, Discipleship has taken a number of different forms, and I just wonder if you could let me know if you've been in... Has anyone here ever done Into Action? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was a little discipleship course, like a bit of a boot camp for guys in spiritual uh, disciplines. One of the things, one of my, my favorite bit about Into Action was when the first time that I led it, um, there was someone on it who had to... The, one of the disciplines was fasting, and the fasting got more um, longer periods as you went through the weeks, as you grappled with the discipline of fasting. And the first week, uh, it was skip one meal as you begin to grapple with what it means to fast. And we went around the group on our second evening saying, so how did it go? How was your fasting? And one student uh, who was on the course said, yeah, absolutely, skip the meal. I skipped lunch. Um, and I had a Levenses and afternoon tea. <laughs> You're like, no, that just doesn't count. Um, so amazing what God turns up as you sit down and be, uh, you pursue spiritual disciplines together. A similar course aimed at uh, the women in the church called Esther Challenge. Anyone done that? Yeah, some of you have done that as well. Um, anyone here was ever a desert rat? Not in the Second World War, but there's only a few. I managed to avoid desert rats. That involved uh, some form of discipleship that involved a night hike and pushing you in freezing streams. Is that right? I never read that in the Gospels, but it's part of our church history. <laughs> well, actually, G uh, Peter did jump in water a few times, didn't he? To be fair. Um, anyone here do Mastering Leadership? There's a course that we ran. It's some of the same people putting their hands up. That's why they're so amazing, I'm sure. Uh, anyone here ever been on a student weekend away? That's quite a few people. Great. Can anyone remember back to Enemies of the Soul? Oh, yeah, that was around about the time of the Labour landslide victory in 97. 
I remember that because the hall in which we were meeting to do Enemies of the Soul, we also had a prayer meeting just before the election. I was sure Tony Blair was going to win, so I prayed, Lord, since he's going to win, you better bless him. And someone thumped me. (laughs) Only time I've ever been thumped in a prayer meeting because I was... They have different kind of faith for what would, what would occur. Um, personal pastors have been the mainstay. I'm going to speak much more about discipleship next week, by the way. But um, personal pastors is, have been the mainstay of how we've expressed this dynamic in our church life. And when we sometimes connect with the people who've left Oxford people who were members of the church and are now elsewhere. And there's loads of them, by the way, with the turnover that we have. It's somewhere between 1,500 and 2,000 people out there in the world somewhere that were part of the church here at some point. The one thing that they most comment on is, personal pastoring, to have someone with whom I could talk about whatever, who cared for me, who prayed for me, who had vision for me, who wasn't shy to tell me what could be, should be different in my life. So today is a day to celebrate 32 years of lives changed, not just through that kind of spiritual parenting, but also through iron sharpening iron in this local church. 32 years of changed lives. That is no small thing. It's a day to say together, more Lord, as we look to the future, more Lord, would you God lead us onwards and upwards? in discipleship. The next thing, community. Uh, For over three decades, we have bumped up against each other in community. We've loved each other. We've prayed for each other. Uh, More than that, we've sometimes enjoyed it. (laughs) No, we've often enjoyed it. But community is a complicated old thing, isn't it? we've shared heartbreak together. We've sometimes been the cause of each other's heartbreak. We've found the grace of God together. We've been there for each other at points when we wondered whether anybody cared anymore. We've retrieved people who've walked off to do daft things. And we've celebrated people who've struck out to do incredible things been community. We've had house groups and community groups and cell groups. I don't like cell groups so much anymore um, since we're perceived in wider society to be the more radical fundamentalist types of Christians having cell groups. I think it's just a little bit, especially in the university where there's an anti-extremism, anti-terrorism agenda. I think cell groups is a bit complicated. But we've done, we've done that at points. Um, we've had clusters, missional communities. Um, By the grace of God, we have maintained healthy community. Uh, There's not actually many churches of our kind, of our age, that haven't experienced some significant split at some time. That's the truth of it. And some of you will have lived through that. We haven't seen that happen. God has granted us a healthy community. And in recent years, we've been praying for growing communities in this city, And I've shared a vision of a city filled with such Christian communities, something for us to pray for and to work towards. I dream of a city in which everyone could easily connect with an accessible Christian community where they can not only hear the gospel, but see the life of Christ. 
be accepted and learn about him through his people. I dream, I dream of such a Christian community on every bus route, in every city ward, for every ethnic and language group. What a future. Today is a day to celebrate as well, 32 years of love shared. Of love shared through the communities of this local church. And that's no small thing. It's also a day to say together, more Lord, more community. Lead us onwards and upwards. Worship. Our vision is not just for growing communities, but uh, I hope you know if you've been part of the church for any uh, length of time, growing communities that bring heaven to earth. We have a father in heaven. And his glory is going to cover the earth. Well, actually, the knowledge of his glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. This father in heaven, heaven rings with his praises. He's so wonderful. He sent his son to die for us. He's loving and kind and patient and good. He's faithful, as we've sung this morning. And those are all things that we can grow in and become more like him. He's also unlike us in so many wonderful ways. He is infinite, that is limitless. He's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's present everywhere, he's beyond us, and yet he dwells in us. This is the God whom we worship. Today is the day to celebrate 32 years, which is about 2,000 Sundays, give or take. To celebrate 32 years of diligently, passionately, truthfully, spiritually worshipping God as a local church. And that too, that's no small thing. We have much for which to thank God. It's a day to say together in our worship, more Lord, more lead us onwards and lead us upwards. In our mission, uh, that's a rainbow of promise over a field ripe for harvest. I've mentioned people overseas I've skipped past the six churches that we've planted in this nation and the umpteen alpha courses and such like we've run in this city. I've skipped over the untold number of acts of kindness that God has given us the grace to display to the city in which we live. But there's much to thank God for. You know, when um, Bev and I moved house two years ago, we started to get to know our neighbours and found that they knew of Oxford Community Church before we got there. And it's not because anyone had ever put a leaflet through their door. It's because there was another couple who were part of the church here who lived a couple of doors down from where we now live. And they just went out and loved their neighbors. They provided meals for those in need. They cared uh, for people according to the ways that they could. And years later, when we then moved in, they were known as people who cared and that they'd, um, they'd spread a fragrance and a reputation which we can own together. Oxford Community Church was known as a place of caring. Um, Philip Pullman, some of you will know, the author of the um, Northern Lights, is it? Trilogy. Dark Materials, thank you very much. Um, is an avowed atheist and doesn't really like church. And he very nearly wrote a book all about us as a local church. 
he came and visited us when we were still meeting in the cinema on George Street to find out about our, who we were and was intending to write some kind of expose on us. This was around the time of another general election when the Natural Law Party had a chance of winning. Do any of you remember that? Yogic flying in party political broadcasts? Look it up on the internet. It was an amazing season of English history. He came and visited us on a Sunday, and he later gave an interview. The only way we know about this is he later gave an interview saying that he never, he's never got around to writing the book. Time has probably passed now. But he described coming in and finding, and this is his phrase, it was like there was a whole secret welfare state or welfare society at work that no one knew about. But that if you were in need, if you were bereaved, if you just had a child, if you were in any, whatever kind of need you had, here was a whole community of people that were just there to help you. And he was astonished that he'd never known that this existed. That's the church. After 32 years in 2017, I can honestly say uh, that mission has never been a higher priority for us than it is now. I think many of you would say the same thing. Uh, I am amazed and delighted that we are launching the turning in 12 weeks time. Sorry, it's 12 weeks time. You've probably counted that already. Simon's organizing us. Um, We're praying for hundreds of people to pray a commitment to Christ on the streets of Oxford. It's a new season in evangelism in the UK. The last time I was out on the streets of Oxford uh, was about 20 years ago, doing that kind of thing was about 20 years ago, and there wasn't a widespread enthusiasm for it then. God's doing something new and stirring our hearts to reach people. So today is a day to celebrate 32 years of a vision that stretches beyond the church, not just caught up with ourselves, but thinking of the city and the nation, the nations, the world in which God has placed us And that, too, is no small thing. And it's a day to say together in our mission, more, Lord, more, lead us onwards and upwards. And looking back over all of this, I'm reminded of what uh, John wrote, the very last verse of his gospel. If everything were written down about Jesus, then the, the books would more than fill the earth of all the things that he'd done. I'm keenly aware of many parts of this story that I've not told. I've not mentioned, uh, mentioned the cinema, but not any of the other many places that we have met as a church before coming here. I've not mentioned um, our experience of the Toronto Blessing, which was so transforming, or Alpha launches together with other churches at what's now the new theater on George Street, or the preschool that Adrienne began, or Tyndale Community School, or the double-decker bus we used to own for doing groundbreaking outreach into communities where we hadn't yet gone, or BBC Radio Oxford broadcasting from here a number of Christmases in a row, or fusion groups for students that grew from one to 20 in number within a few years, or the Pensioners Club, or, I mean, I could keep, there's so much for which to thank God. Looking at all this, I'm also reminded of Jesus' words, because it's his church And it's been his energy and his faithfulness and his determination that has led us at every stage. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. 
and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. The Apostle Peter, over whom those words were originally spoken, wrote this in his first letter in the New Testament. As you come to him, the living stone, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. God is at work. Whatever we have to thank God for is it's all his doing, and it's been a privilege to be part I feel thankful this morning, keenly aware of his faithfulness and consistency in the face of my feebleness and inconsistency. And uh, now as we come to finish, we're going to turn to these balloons. Um, We have something to do together, which is going to involve everybody getting up and out of their seats. And it's going to be fun, actually. It might go wrong, (laughs) but it's going to be fun. But I'm excited about what we're about to do, not just because it's fun, but because of what it says. Um, You may not be a part of Oxford Community Church, but you can join in this morning with what we're about to do. Because what we're about to do is together to say yes, more Lord, to those different things of discipleship and community and worship, and mission as things that we want to be part of our... If you're part of a local church somewhere else, you can join in and pray these prayers for us, please, but also for the fellowship where you belong. Lord, lead us onwards, and lead us upwards.